What makes a home a home and not just a house? What makes a couch iconic? And what will the home of the future look like? On the couch, we'll be speaking to some design masters and a host of curators and experts as we go about answering the key questions concerning the home today. The Couch, Conversations on Design, is a brand new podcast made by B&B Italia. Listen on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcast and bebitalia.com. Welcome back to It's Haunted, What Now? I'm your host, Lainey. I have a strong aversion to black-eyed children's stories because of what my friend TJ, host of the Pints and Puzzles podcast, convinced me to do. He suggested that I listen to Astonishing Legends coverage on them, and I couldn't finish it. It was making me paranoid and skittish. So, rather than building on my already overwhelming fear of black-eyed kids... I thought for this episode, I would instead focus on ghost children. This episode is all about ghost children encounters, and of course, more haunted dolls. Just because, of course, there are more of them. Okay, ready to get spooked? Our first story comes from Evie Moon, whose experiences with a haunted doll had her wondering if the encounter was just her imagination or something more. Where do I even begin? My mom and I heard something banging on the wall every single night. I heard it upstairs in my room. My mom heard it downstairs. No place was safe from the banging. At one point, we thought it was our neighbor who was doing it because he often did DIY outside. Then there are whispers, although that's hard to tell because I only hear them before I fall asleep. I chalk that up to an auditory illusion. The door of my closet opens and closes all the time. The worst feeling is that one of us is always being watched. I close my eyes, ready to sleep, and I feel so uneasy. My mom once woke me up screaming. I raced downstairs and she told me she saw someone staring at her when she woke up. Then there's the creepy doll. She scares me so much. Originally, she was in my closet and every time I opened it, she was just there, staring at me. I tried my hardest to avoid eye contact with her. One day, I had enough and told my mom to put the doll somewhere else. She put it up in the basement. One day, I went up into the basement to get something. I forgot what for, but this just so happened to be the same area the doll was placed. My mom had put the doll on a stool next to a bunch of boxes, but this time, the doll was on the sofa, watching the door. I didn't think much of it and just thought, oh, mom must have moved her because she was searching for something. So I left the basement and asked my mom if it was her who had moved the doll. She just looked at me with a concerned look on her face and told me she hadn't. Accidents like that happened a lot. 
Recently, the doll has been changing positions on its own. Now the head is facing the wall behind her, and the body is facing the entrance. I don't know why she does that. We also hear people walking around, going up and down the stairs, and it's scary. You don't know if it's your imagination, or a thief, or something strange you can't explain. But now, I put salt in front of my bedroom door, just in case. Evie, I've been there, questioning if it was your imagination or if you truly experienced something paranormal. Once, I was sleeping and felt an indent next to me. It felt as if someone sat on the end of my bed. I woke up to an empty room and wondered if it had all been a dream or if something unseen had crawled its way up into my bed. I find the scariest moments and stories to be those where the evil or entity is invisible to the naked eye. You can only feel that something is there and nothing more. It's a feeling of powerlessness. Our next story has Jordan explaining how he and his friend Gary wandered into a haunted forest that gave them enough dread to last a lifetime. A few years ago, a friend and I were talking about various unexplained phenomena when we realized we both had a huge interest in the paranormal or unexplained. After talking about a few famous unexplained mysteries and conspiracy theories, he started telling me about his own experiences with the supposedly haunted forest. The forest was to the back of an old nursing home his mom worked at and just beside a large cemetery. The nursing home had previously belonged to a wealthy family but during World War II, they allowed it to become a hospital for those wounded during the Blitzkrieg. Shortly after the war, they allowed it to be converted into a care hospital for the elderly, and it's still there today. My friend's earliest experiences with the forest was taking his dog for a walk through the forest and having them react erratically when they tried to take them to an old decaying and overrun section. Previously, it was an apple orchard surrounded by a large gate and a wall. Not thinking much of it at the time, he noticed neither his own, his cousins, or any of his friend's dogs would go near it. They would all start growling and pulling furiously to avoid going in. As he got older, he mostly forgot about the strange behavior and lost interest in the forest. He was reminded of it many years later, when he was older and his mom, having briefly worked at the nursing home just outside the forest, opened up about some of the bizarre things that used to happen while she was working there. When she started, she heard a number of nurses talking about how the building was haunted, supposedly by the ghost of two little girls, and how a lot of bizarre things tended to happen. Being that she wasn't superstitious, she didn't really pay much notice until it started happening while she was on shift. It started relatively small, things would go missing or get moved around. Doors and windows that were closed would be open and they'd hear noises coming from around the building. Being that a number of the patients had very poor memories and were suffering from various mental ailments, she mostly wrote it off as them forgetting what they had been doing or where they had been. She said the day she started believing was when she came off her break and went into the common room to move a few of the physically impaired residents. 
and they were nowhere to be found. She checked the entire ground floor of the building and around the outside, but couldn't find them anywhere. After checking everywhere else, she searched the first and second floors, only to find them in their rooms, getting ready for bed. This bewildered her, as the residents often needed a nurse's support to get out of a chair, never mind up a flight of stairs, and she was the only resident tending to them that night. When she asked how they were able to get up the stairs, the residents all replied that, those two lovely little girls helped us. That freaked her out, as visiting hours had finished a number of hours before, and as far as she could see, the doors were all locked and there was no one in the building. She quit shortly after and moved on to another care facility. I loved hearing the stories about this place, although I was skeptical at first. As it happens, my granddad lived quite near this place for years, so the next time I saw him, I mentioned to him the stories I'd heard. Being a real no-nonsense character, he rolled his eyes and mentioned how it wasn't the first time he heard people talking nonsense about ghosts up there. Although he dismissed it as rubbish, that confirmed for me that it wasn't just my friend and his mom that believed there was something going on. Multiple people had reported something bizarre happening. This got me excited, and I told my friend about what I'd heard and asked if he'd be willing to go up one night and see if we could find anything. As it happened, we both worked in the same shop and often worked the same shifts, finishing at midnight. This meant it was easy enough for us to take a run up after work, have a wander around, and see if we could find anything bizarre. Although nervous, we got ourselves pumped up, grabbed some torches, and dived in sometime after midnight, only to find nothing. Some time went by and we ultimately lost interest. We came back a little disappointed, but we still thought it was a cool experience, so we later decided to go back. A few months later, we were working the same shift, finishing at midnight, so we took another run-up, only to have another, unfortunately, plain and uneventful experience. Two or three more times we went up, and two or three more times we saw and heard nothing more than a few animals running around. Major bummer. One day, we were talking about horror films again after finishing a midnight shift, and on a whim, we decided to give it one last try. This was the night we had the encounter that terrified the both of us. It took us a little time to get ready that night, as we weren't prepared, so it was probably closer to 1am and pitch black before we got there. We had come to a small clearing between the trees and were walking through. On both our left and right, we were surrounded by thick hedges and trees with little visibility. As we were navigating our way through, we both fell totally silent, and as I climbed over a tree root, I heard the very distinct laughter of a young girl. I froze on the spot. The laughter sounded like it had come from three feet away from me. Being a rational guy in that instant, my mind started telling me that it was just an animal. Don't panic. Maybe you imagined it. I looked towards my friend, hoping he'd be behaving as normal and that he hadn't heard anything. But his face was white as a sheet, and he was frozen in place with an awestruck expression on his face. Neither of us said anything. We just stood there, frozen looking terrified at each other. Suddenly, from just behind him, we heard it again, the laughter of a little girl. 
Neither of us said anything or made any kind of signal. We both just started sprinting. We didn't say a word to each other the entire time we ran out. When we came to the clearing we entered from, about three minutes of running, we slowed down and eventually stopped. Then we looked at each other again and without saying anything, we took off running again until we came to the main road you turn off to get out of the forest. At this point, we were both exhausted from running and had to stop and catch our breath. Once we regained our composure, we frantically described what we heard, confirming to each other that we were very clearly hearing the laughter of two little girls, or at least one that laughed from both sides of us. We both went home and spent the next few hours ruling out any rational explanation we could come up with. I stayed up that night listening to the sounds of animals that are found in this region to see if any of them sounded vaguely similar to what I had heard. Eventually, I ruled them out. And I know I didn't imagine when we both took off running the moment the second laughter occurred without saying a word. That was the last time, for a long time, that we went up to a haunted forest at night. That was around six years ago and we recently decided to muster up the courage and have another crack at finding a ghost. I have no idea why. This time, we took another friend up there, and sadly, or luckily, we didn't have any strange encounters. We're planning to go up again soon, once we have the time, and we're intending to take a lot more photos and audio recordings. So, if there's an interest, I'll keep you posted on any of the other ghost encounters we may have. Right now, you need dependable internet and endless entertainment. Xfinity delivers with reliably fast speeds and Wi-Fi coverage throughout your home. Plus, access all your streaming apps in one place right on your TV. To schedule your free contactless equipment delivery, click or call. Restrictions apply. Right now, you need dependable internet and endless entertainment. Xfinity delivers with reliably fast speeds and Wi-Fi coverage throughout your home. Plus, access all your streaming apps in one place right on your TV. To schedule your free contactless equipment delivery, click or call. Restrictions apply. You know, I like the idea of two ghostly children helping the older residents of the building. That makes me believe that they are good spirits. The laughter, on the other hand, sends shivers down my spine just thinking about it. The sprinting away was absolutely justified in my opinion. I'm just surprised that you guys didn't sprint after hearing it the first time. Our next story comes from Big Spicy Meat Boy. I can't make that up. When Big Spicy Meat Boy had questions about the young spirit haunting his mother-in-law's home, I just knew I had to include it in this episode. It all started when my wife and I first visited her mother's new house. Her mother had remarried and lived in a decent-sized house out in Palm Desert. We would visit them when I had time off from work. I had taken a shower in the guest bathroom, and when I got out, on the fogged-over mirror, there were two children's handprints. At first, I thought it was a print from her three-year-old sister, we call her Emily, and when I was done, we brought her in to see if she had done it. The prints were at least twice as big as hers, looking like they belonged to a kid around eight years old. My father-in-law, after this incident, tells us that a little boy haunts the house as a joke. He says when his own sons were young, he saw a kid run into the kitchen while watching TV. 
Thinking it was his son, he got up and walked towards where the boy ran. When he opened his son's room, they were both asleep. You know, any kid can pretend to be asleep, so he didn't think much of it. The next few times we visited, Emily had begun to talk about her imaginary new friend. We asked who it was, and she said the word ghost, which is something we've never talked about around her. We ask where is the ghost, and she goes where her room is, and points to the middle of the floor, and proceeds to lay down like she's dead. We laugh nervously, now thinking there's an actual ghost here that's harmless, but it gets worse. Around February, I had to go away to work for three weeks. My wife stayed over at her mom's during my absence with our two-month-old son, we'll call him David. She tells me one night around 4am she's feeding David and she's starting to drift off to sleep. All of a sudden, the door to the bedroom starts to creak open and she sees the arm of a little kid follow it. The door closes and she hears footsteps run and slam another door. This can't be her sister Emily because she's asleep with her mom. It's now June and we came to pick up her sister for two weeks and that night as we were asleep, my wife had a very realistic dream. In her dream, we had gotten into a fight, and when I left, she was now in a tub of water, holding something down, like a child, drowning. She says she prayed to Michael, the archangel, for protection, but before it ended, she heard a very dark voice whisper in her ear. You're doing great. Two weeks later, we come back to drop off Emily and she has a dream that night of a little kid whispering in her ear and laughing. Her mom then tells us a month before she was sleeping and heard the same thing, except the child was saying, Billy, he's coming. Then she hears heavy footsteps coming down the hall and feels her leg go numb, followed by a heavy hit in her chest that blacks her out. I'm not sure what this is or what's in the house. I'm honestly scared for them and my child when going over there. If anyone knows how I can ward off whatever is in that house, it would be greatly appreciated. Well, Big, I highly recommend doing some smudging in your house and at your in-laws. Smudging is the practice of burning sage around your home and body to ward off negative energy or unwanted energy. My biggest concern would be the spirit attaching itself to your wife or child when they return to your home. Maybe the sage will coax the spirit and any unwanted energy from the home. Tell the entity that it's okay to move on and that you no longer want them in the home. Hopefully, that will help. I don't know personally how people manage or like living in the middle of nowhere. My youngest niece lives in a small country town and at night it's pitch black. The very thought of looking out my window and seeing nothing freaks me out and the fact that my house might be haunted with the spirit of a child and well it's game over for me i would be paralyzed with fear a prisoner in my own home that's why actually Allie's story of a young native american girl in her closet really freaked me out I grew up in a house in the middle of nowhere. My family owned all of the land around the house, so we had very few neighbors close by. 
I used to tell my mom about the crying native girl in my closet and that she was mistreated by two men. Of course, my dad wrote it off as my childish imagination, but my mother had similar experiences. I would have terrible nightmares that no child should even think of. I woke up crying every night and that became the norm. I'd hear whispers and see the girl all the time. One day when I was watching the girl, I called to my sister to come see her because I needed a witness. I didn't take my eyes off the girl. She was standing in the hallway to my two brothers' room, staring into my older brother's room. My sister came up beside me and stared at her with me. She described her exactly as I saw her, and that's how I knew she was real. She had long dark hair and a tattered white dress. Her eyes were black and full of sorrow as she turned and saw us, then vanished. My little sister began crying, and I held her and repeatedly told her how sorry I was for calling her over. My brothers also experienced strange things. One of them had his friends over one night, and they were all asleep when out of nowhere, the TV came on in static. They all ran out, and my brother unplugged the TV as he always did when it happened. After they all calmed down and fell back asleep, the stereo came on so loud, blaring white noise, that the guys ran out again and stayed in the living room the rest of the night. The things we all went through tore our family apart. My mom and dad argued about it a lot, among other things. My dad is a huge skeptic and never believed any of us. It was long before they divorced and so we stayed at the house with our mom. My oldest brother was doing hard drugs and thought it would be fun to use a Ouija board. My mom came home from work and noticed the board in the living room and black from the candle smoke covered the walls. My brother and his friends had encountered something through the board and left the scene. Things got increasingly worse after that. The whispers became yells and my sister became a scary person to be around. She would bite, scratch, cuss, and scream in our faces. My mom turned to alcohol and she was always drunk. One night, my sister woke up to three floating orbs of light and an African-American family inside her bedroom. She screamed and I went to get my drunk mother to check on her. She told me to go see what was wrong, but as soon as I got to her closed door, I was frozen in terror. Finally, my mom went in and carried my sister out of her bed and I had never seen such horror in someone's face before. She couldn't say anything through her sobs. When she finally calmed down, she told us what she saw and my mom told her to sleep with me. For a long time, she slept with me. We felt safest in the living room for some reason and slept on the couches. My mom called a priest. He researched and let us know our land was a Native American burial ground and probably a plantation before. As soon as he arrived, he felt the negativity. The priest wanted to do an exorcism on my sister, but my mom said, no, not yet. She wanted to try blessing the house first. He said there were terrible entities there that wanted us gone, and if powerful enough, they could make it happen. He drew crosses in holy water over every door and on our foreheads, and we prayed. He told us it would get either much better or much worse. Of course, it was the latter. All of the dining chairs would be upside down. Cabinet doors would never stay closed, and no matter what the thermostat was on, the house was freezing. One day, my mom and her boyfriend were on the back porch, and I went to get a glass of water. I heard whispers back and forth and looked over to where they were coming from, 
Then a man's voice yelled, Get out. I jumped over the turned over chair and ran out the back door. I asked my mom and her boyfriend if they were whispering or anything, and they said no, not at all. They were just sitting there, drinking. I went to my grandma's and never went back. My sister and I eventually moved in with our dad. We switched schools and he sold the house and everything in it. We would go visit our mom and grandma at my grandma's house in the same area, but never went by that house again. The occurrences I explained were only a small slice of the pie. That house would have drove us all to insanity had we stayed, and I still pray for the family who moved into it. I can only imagine the feeling of powerlessness of being a child trapped in a house that doesn't want you. You have no control of whether or not you move and you're forced to endure the frightening machinations of those that come before us. Truly a nightmare scenario. Speaking of nightmares, try getting a wink of sleep tonight when you hear Nicole's close encounter with two frightening ghost children. goes. It began when I was 17. Playful glimpses at first, then uncomfortable and eventually unsettling. Young children, a boy and a girl, no older than seven. They were dressed in 1800s garb and while mischievous in the beginning, they had a gray, cold complexion and dark circles around their eyes. They never spoke either. At first, I would see them peeking at me with smiles on their faces from around corners and doorways, then disappear once they got my attention. It happened about once to twice a week the first three weeks, then more frequent over a few months. The sightings began to also last longer, lasting up to a whole minute sometimes. What also changed was their demeanor. They went from playfully peeking from corners to standing side by side without expression. At the time, I worked as a caregiver or teacher in a large church daycare center, which had many halls and a gym. One end of the church was the child development center, the middle was the sanctuary, and the northern side was the gym with racquetball courts and tracks upstairs. Also upstairs in that area were classrooms. The upstairs was never occupied during the week, so the few corridors and balcony room overlooking the racquetball courts were dark and quiet. I'd sometimes see them in the dark, empty classrooms, blankly staring at me as I walked past. I saw them mostly at work, as it's where I spent the majority of my time. At home, I'd see them standing in the darkened hall or sitting on the couch in the living room, on my way to rooms on the other side of the house. If driving, I'd see them standing on the side of the roads and once right in the middle. I had dreams of them, but never any different from what I was experiencing while awake. They sometimes got closer to me, but never too close. I tried asking who they were, what they wanted, to no avail. They never spoke. Every now and then, they responded by pointing or looking in the direction of nothing I could see. The time I saw the boy in the middle of the road with a girl looking on from the side was at night while I was with my cousin. We were talking and right as I glanced over at her in the passenger seat, she screamed at me to watch out. 
I swerved, but I hit him. Jen screamed, Did you see him? Did you see that little boy? Looking behind us, there was nothing there. I told her about what was going on, and she began to see them too, but only went around me. They frightened her, and she was worried for me. I can't lie, I was too. My most frightening experience was an early evening that I was particularly tired and home alone. I fell asleep while watching TV and began having an incredibly vivid dream or out-of-body experience. In my dream, I was watching myself sleep from above, but I had this horribly nagging anxiety. After a few minutes, I feel I am back within myself, and even though I'm asleep, I'm aware. Still feeling that dread, I start to physically feel someone stroking my hair. Terrified, I open my eyes and slowly raise my head to catch sight of who is touching me. It's the boy. I freak and jump up as he quickly crouches next to my bed. But as I inch to look over the edge of the bed, there's nothing there. They'd never gotten so close to me, never touched me. I was so terrified. That night, I called my grandmother. She's a kunanera and I told her what happened. She told me that when I saw them, I must demand to know who they are, what they want, and if no response, demand that they leave me alone, all in the name of God. They came, and I did just that. No response other than pointing. I went to my grandfather on the other side of my family, and he advised that I should never speak to anything or anyone who presented themselves like them, dead-looking or as shadows. That frightened me even more. The last time, I called my mom at a loss of what to do. She said she was set to visit with a medium and she would ask for advice on my behalf. She called the next day to say she had just gotten a call from the medium, telling her that she had taken care of it. She told her that I should never see them again and not to ask her about them ever again. That was that and just the end of it. To this day, I have never seen them again. The words of the medium have nagged me ever since. I think maybe because I never got answers. They were with me for months and I never found out a thing about them. Were they even human spirits? Or were they something else, something sinister? If she said to never ask or talk about them again, then it couldn't have been good, right? Nicole later updated us with the following. I spoke with my mom today about this experience and what she remembers about speaking with the medium. She said the medium's advice was to not let them get close to me or to touch me and that she had taken care of it. She didn't say what she'd done to take care of it though. Maybe I will find out someday. I'd love to know what the medium did from such a distance to rid you of these spirits. Whatever it was, I'm sure it was a breath of fresh air just to get through a day without seeing their dead faces again. I've mentioned before that I teeter on the edge of skeptic and believer, as I'm sure many of you listening do as well. Our next user, I am Switters, was also a skeptic, but after their experience, they've been left wondering if anyone else has ever experienced anything quite like they did. Now, 
keep in mind, I don't believe in ghosts. I don't now and didn't when I saw one then. So one night, about 15 years ago, I was dead asleep. I lived by myself in a two-bedroom apartment, but I still slept with my bedroom door closed. This was out of habit after living with different roommates over the years in that place. My bed was catty corner from the door and just next to the door closer to my bed was my TV stand with the TV on it as well as a stack of CDs on one side and some pictures on the other side of the TV that was closer to the bedroom door. This factors in shortly, I promise. Anyway, around 4am on the night I'm speaking of, I woke up suddenly. And I do mean suddenly. It was one of those movie wake-ups where the actor sits up in bed instantly and is panting and panicked, searching around the room for the disturbance. And of course, this never happens in real life. Except it did happen like that for me on that night. So I spring up into a sitting position in a panic and I'm searching around the room with my eyes to figure out why. And then I see it, or rather, I see her. Directly in front of my still-closed door is a little girl, maybe eight years old or so, wearing pigtails and a dress or a skirt that comes down to about the knee. But this obviously wasn't just some kid standing there. She was made up entirely of blue energy, electricity, or whatever. She had no features, just an outline, but she was looking directly at me. I couldn't see her eyes because as far as I could tell, she had no eyes. But she is looking at me. Of that, I'm 100% sure. So I'm sitting up in bed, breathing hard, and I don't know what to do. I wasn't exactly scared, but I was definitely on edge in anticipation. After an indeterminable amount of time, which honestly was probably only a few seconds, she reached across the TV without moving her feet and placed something on my TV stand between the TV and the CDs. She then turned and walked through the door out to the hallway. And I mean through the door. She didn't open it. She simply passed through the closed door. I sat there a couple of seconds and then finally turned on my lamp on the night table. And then I sat there some more. I really didn't want to open my bedroom door to find some ghost girl standing in my hallway. After a couple of minutes, I finally walked to the door and yanked it open. Maybe if she was still there, I could give her a fright. But nothing. I walked around the apartment, turning on every light and checking every corner for the girl. Nothing. I went to the fridge, grabbed a beer, and went back to my room. I sat there drinking my beer and smoking a cigarette and stared at the spot where she placed something down on my TV stand. Sip, drag, sip, drag, screw this. I didn't check the TV stand until the next day after I had a few cups of coffee. So what did she leave me? Nothing. There was nothing there. So, what's your ghost story? I'm interested to hear your thoughts on Switter's experience. If you had a similar or eerie encounter with the child entity, let me know. Okay, well, that wraps up this episode. If you'd like to submit your own personal spooky tale to be read on the show, head to hauntedpod.com and click on the link to submit your story. You can also email me at hauntedpod at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast player of choice. It really does help the show out. You can find us on Twitter at podcast underscore haunted 
Instagram, all one word, it's haunted what now, or at hauntedpod.com. Audio engineering provided by Chaz Gray, who manages Chaz Gray Music. The official composer for the show is Nico at We Talk of Dreams. Check him out on Twitter at We Talk of Dreams or WeTalkOfDreams.com. Until next time. Did you hear that? Right now, you need dependable internet and endless entertainment. Xfinity delivers with reliably fast speeds and Wi-Fi coverage throughout your home. Plus, access all your streaming apps in one place right on your TV. To schedule your free contactless equipment delivery, click or call. Restrictions apply.